Jamaica, and this is a Black Feelings podcast. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good. Just tired, but it's just another Monday. Ugh, yeah. Anyways, let's get into it. Um, Do you want to do mental health and the media? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I found this article... It's on the HuffPost. We'll link it in the um, description. It's called, I took a mental health day at work and lied about it. Here's why. Basically, this lady was saying how she was struggling with anxiety and she needed time off work, but she lied about it saying that her stomach hurt because she was saying that she didn't want to seem incapable and competent to her employer. And I just thought it was a really interesting topic because... Taking a mental health day is like something that goes on, but I really don't think a lot of us actually go to our employee and say, I'm taking a mental health day. We may discuss it with like our coworkers or even our friends, but never to our manager. Like I always say, I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to go home. Hmm. What do you usually say? Is that what you usually say when you want to take a mental health day? I always say I'm not feeling well or... (laughs) Like, I need plumbing done in my bathroom. Like, something that has nothing to do with my mental being. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do the same thing. I, but I kind of feel like saying I'm not feeling well is all the information they need. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I do worry that if I was completely honest and said, you know, I'm not emotionally up to coming in today because y'all drive me crazy, <laughs> then, you know, that's, that's not okay. I mean, even if, you know, the last part wasn't true, but yeah, I don't know if people will respond well to that. Well, just saying that I'm not okay to come into work, there's Mm -hmm. such a stigma with that in the workplace that it's like you don't want to say it. They they legally can't ask you why you're not coming in. Like, if you say that you need to to take a sick day, it's illegal for them to ask you or make you come in. Or at least I, I know that to be true for New York City. Yeah. Um, so part of me, you know, doesn't feel an obligation to tell my employer if I need to take a mental health day, but then there's also a part of me that wants to just kind of speak up and be upfront about it so that people know that, you know, it's okay if you need to take a day like that. Yeah. I feel um, like trying to start the revolution, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I always feel like. I guess because most of the times I'm calling out of sick from work, I'm not sick. I always feel the need to like over explain myself. Like this, ha- mm-hmm. this happened to me or that happened to me. And it's like, I have so much anxiety to just say, I am not coming in today. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if I was thinking of doing that, like I feel like the night before I'm calling out, like I'm already twisting and turning just to say, <laughs> I'm not feeling well. I'm not coming in. So I imagine like, just being upfront and telling them, like, I'm not coming in. I'm taking a mental health day. Mm-hmm. And also, and so the article, I would there was, out more. Yeah, which is always my issue. And the article there was also discussing how, like, if she says there's something wrong with her, or like, it's hard for her to admit to having any kind of mental illness because that's not something that an employer could see from the get go. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want them to think, like, oh, I don't got my shit together. And it's like so hard to see signs of mental illness. I think one of the quotes was, like, you're coping with your things until you're not. 
And then when you're not, it's like when everything falls down. But of course, sometimes you don't have obvious signs that things are not going well. So it's like hard to express that to other people. What's the last time, like the last time that you took a mental health day, what was the story behind it or the reason? The reason I gave my employer or like my actual reason? I guess I'm just curious, like what was, you know, I guess what got you to the point where you were like, okay, I need to take a day for myself. I think after having like a lot of big projects or. If I have a lot going on and I feel overwhelmed, but no one knows, I push through whatever the assignment is. But when I see there's like a day where I won't have that much going on, I'll take it upon myself to give myself a mental break. Mm-hmm. Or even if I'm having a weekend and like maybe Sunday night I start feeling depressed or something and it's like, I can't even see myself getting up to go to work tomorrow. I'll make the decision then to call out of work. And take a mental health uh-huh. day. What about you? Mm, I think that I had just finished similar, just finished like some big projects. And I think the entire time I was working on them, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I was coming in early, staying late. And once it was over, I just think I was mentally exhausted. Yeah. So I was like, I need a day. And I, I, def, I remember just saying I didn't feel well. So because I, I feel like the, the stress of calling out, you know, is tough enough. But I'm gonna feel stressed out if I lie about it. Mm-hmm. And then, and like, if I say that my stomach's not feeling well, then the next day everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, is your stomach better?" Yeah. So just like, I can't, I can't keep up the lie too long. So just don't do it. Right. It's actually funny. One time recently I did call out and my reason was I had a migraine headache. But I said I had a migraine headache because I was stressed out because of like the housewarming party we was having and cooking all this food. So Mm -hmm. it kind of was like I was admitting to being stressed out and like being fried that I caused this headache to myself. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's like the only time where I actually did say like... Me stressing out about this and overthinking this actually caused me to have a major-ass headache, although I didn't, and I can't come into work. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. How did they respond to that? She said it. She was like, oh, are you stressed out about something? Because sometimes stress could bring on a headache. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was planning this housewarming for all my friends and, like, cooking the food and making sure everyone's having fun. That was just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. She was like, I think you brought it on to yourself. Oh, wow. All right. Thanks for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's good that you were able to, you know, speak up about that. Even though that was still a lie. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I found another an article that I thought was interesting. Um, there is a mental health clinic that is opening inside of Walmart. Inside of Walmart? Yeah. Wow. A Walmart in Texas is opening a mental health clinic. And I guess I just thought that was interesting because I imagine it would make it seem like more of an accessible thing for just kind of like the average, you know, average people like us or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's not making it seem so 
like something that's only limited to a certain group of people, you right. know? I have many thoughts about that, but continue. Oh, is it because you don't like Walmart? Well, it's one because I don't like Walmart. It's like me working at Walmart, like I'm going to need to go to this clinic to deal with the shit that I would have to deal with working at Walmart. And also with gun laws, like I could go to Walmart and buy a gun. But you're not really checking my mental history to see if I am a person that should be buying a gun. But yet you have this mental health clinic there. So I'm wondering if they will do something to clear you mentally before purchasing a gun if they don't care or if it's just like a business thing. So it's kind of like, are you monopolizing on mental health stigma? Are you really trying to help the community? Because you're playing like both sides of the cards, it seems. Well, I I should say that it is the the clinic is going to be opened by a Boston Boston area based service. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if there are actually like ties to walmart or if like walmart's kind of renting the space or ha- you know how you go to some walmarts and they have like a, a lens crafter or four eyes right or yeah inside of there so I imagine maybe it would be something like that yeah uh but yeah i definitely didn't think about all of the things that comes that come with walmart and i'm pretty sure there's not going to be any sort of um, check up before people want to buy their guns. Right. <laughs> but I do still think that this clinic could be a good thing and maybe it would even inspire other businesses to do something similar. Mm-hmm. So, did the, I don't know. Did the article discuss at all, like, what they want to accomplish there? Like, like whether it be on-staff therapist or... Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's going to be an on-site staff. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, it's, it's the news is super new, so I'm not sure like how many people they would have on staff or how big and how many people they'd be able to service. Okay. I but mean, I think it is it's good. just good that they're putting something like this. It says in an underserved community. Definitely agree with that. But other people should do it. I think I would be more receptive. I know this will sound bad, but if Target had like an on site. <laughs> Cause then you just like clutch all over. You got the Shea Moisture products. Oh, you got mental health. Like, come on. But I even feel like Target caters to a, a, a certain, you know, demographic that is, is slightly different than Walmart. So I mean, I'm sure. I don't know. I guess I don't know how many people who are like underserved are shopping at Target because yeah, you can get deals at Target, but it it ain't that cheap. I mean, it is No, good. I just thought it's this good. could be cool. It says that this area is like, you know, millions of people that are considered in the area is considered to have a shortage of mental health care facilities. So it's just giving something that it seems like the community is in need of. No, that is good. Like, it'd be cool if like, so I guess this article kind of got me thinking, like, what are some other places that would it would be cool if they had like a mental health care clinic, like inside of it. And I thought like, you know, along the lines of like a wall, Walgreens or something like you can go get your flu shot. You know, there should be like, what if there was like at least one person there, you know, mm-hmm. for someone to talk to. I don't know. But I thought that was cool. Or even like how some personal wellness places, how they'll offer you like a free massage. Mm-hmm. It would be cool if they had services where it's like, Oh, Take a mental checkup for free, like to encourage yeah. more people to go 
and find out about their like their selves, <laughs> like a self assessment. Oh yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Or even that guy you sent me the the media clip from the guy who he is a pastor and the church Uh-oh. in Harlem. So Pastor Mike from I think First Corinthians Baptist Church right. in Harlem. Because that's an interesting combination right there. Because a lot of people think it's either church or therapy. So the fact that they're offering like mental health within a church, it's awesome. Yes. So just just to elaborate, there's a pastor in Harlem who it, it's been over a year now, but he opened a mental health clinic facility for the community. And I mean, it was. I was blown away by this news because First Corinthians is like a staple in the community. It's like a, you know, a very famous world renowned church. And, um, I like Pastor Mike because he's traditional, but he also puts in a lot of theology and just kind of like common sense, you know, during his sermon. Mm-hmm. And so when he opened this clinic, it was fitting. Like I could definitely imagine him putting something like this together. Um, But it's not what you usually, like you said, like what you picture a church doing. Because for black people, it's like. It's one or the other. Not even, it's just one. Like, it's Jesus. Yes, it's one. Almost like therapy is of the devil. Yes. That is very true. It would be great if we could have him on the podcast one day. Dreams. Dreams. Yes. I mean, I haven't been to too many churches in New York, but his has been one of my favorites. When I went to this church, it was just kind of like the message that I needed right then. He was just like, when you, when your inner voice is talking to you, that's God talking to you. And you need to listen to that. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, word. <laughs> All of that intuition. But yeah, I'll never forget that. So I've always kind of kept up with what the haps at his church. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to our check-ins? Yes. All right, so um, each episode, Ilya and I will check in with each other and just briefly discuss our most recent therapy session, things that, you know, maybe we're working on, things that came up, and just kind of explore and unpack together. So how was your past session? Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I was asking how your past session was. Um, it was, it was good. I, um, so my sessions are on Skype mm-hmm. and they are bi-weekly. I have this woman that, a therapist that I met online and she's based in New Orleans, but we have like a scheduled time that we, we talk twice a month. And so last week we talked a little bit about work, but mostly about just kind of my, relationship woes mm-hmm. um and it's it's helpful to have an unbiased opinion when it comes to relationship things for me um you know because your friends they want to they want to see the best so sometimes they're remembering things from the past you know from previous relationships or you know how much they don't like the person that yeah. <laughs> you're dating so it's kind of it's been helpful to to just hear the things that she has to say or the things that she's observed of uh, I guess just how like my relationship has been playing out. Um, 
But I I don't know how I walked away from the session. Usually I, I walk away feeling good. And this past session, I think that I, w- I didn't walk away confused, but I walked away with a lot of things on my mind and not really sure, you know, what to do next, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. I just need to need to take some more time to think things through. Do you think you'll be discussing it more during your next session? No, because I'm fucking tired of pain to talk about <laughs> this one topic so much. So like you pay me have, to talk about you. I'm, also, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have to run up to this person and be like, look, you need to start chipping in on these therapy <laughs> bills because I'm talking about your ass way too much. Oh, Lord. Uh, no, but um, I think that I just, I have to discuss some other things. So mm-hmm. because I only talk to her twice a month, it sometimes it seems like so much comes up in those two weeks. Mm-hmm. So the next section, I have like a list of things to talk about. Yeah. And relationship just can't consume me right now. So that's smart. I had my last session today. And just like you, I go see my therapist biweekly, and she is based out of Florida. But it's really funny that all the list of complaints I had, like, within the past two weeks, I feel like they've all been resolved by today's session. So she was just, like, basically following up and checking up on me. And I had some issues with, like, family meddling and business and whatnot. And still, like, work issues always come up. But I feel like for the most part, everything was like, okay. So we were just like doing a general um, catch up. So um, when we last spoke, you said that your therapist gave you an assignment to put together an autobiography. Did she check in with you on that? Like, have you shown that to her? I didn't show it to her, but I was telling her how... I am seven and a half pages in, and I'm only in the second grade in my autobiography. And I've already undug shit that was like, I had this deep in my bag. Like, I know I need to be on therapy reading this shit. But she was telling me, because I was expressing my fear that it's going to be like a 100 pages long. We're going to have like an hour therapy session just to read it and unpack it. And I'm like, I'm not sure you're going to get the entire life story. So she's like, you know, just read me what you have. We'll go through that. We'll unpack that. And then as time goes on, you could like finish the story. Oh, cool. So in my head, it's been really daunting. But hearing her say that, like, you don't have to rush to complete it. It made me feel better. And also knowing that such a simple task of writing your autobiography is like so helpful, like. It's like you're reading a story and you know how the outcome is. Well, mm-hmm. up until a certain point, like, I just want to go back to myself as a child and, like, hug her and be like, it's going to be okay. No, crazy how you go that far and, like, go through so many things. And at the time, you feel like you're not going to get past it. Or that like, you are going to get past it, but, like, at the time, it's so daunting. And then years later, like... I don't even think about half the shit I've been through. Now it was just something that I could say happened. 
but I want to be able to unpack it and let it go and not just have it inside because I know it's affecting how I am as a person and how I deal with people and how I guard myself. I just want to let that shit go. <laughs> I can feel that. Uh, I'm surprised. That, I mean, we don't have to go into to detail, obviously, about the the things that you wrote down, but I imagine it must have been a lot. I don't remember anything before I was seven. That's weird. I remember like a nightmare I had from when I was like two years old. What? Two nightmares. <laughs> One of them, I'm not sure if it's like, it's fucking crazy shit. But let's just say I have a scar in real life of something that happened to me in the dream. Wow. But I can't prove it because I was so young, but I still have the scar on my leg. That is crazy. But that's like the first memory I have of my life in general. Well, I should say that's wild. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember anything before. I have a brother that is eight years younger than me, so mm-hmm. I don't really remember. I'm so, Yeah, eight years younger than me, so I don't really remember anything before he was born. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, that sounds like an interesting project, you know? Yeah. Down your autobiography. Yeah. I think it's really insightful. Especially if you keep one like throughout the years and you write something down now where you are currently and you look at it again in 10 years and see whether you're accomplished there or not or if like your views have changed. Has the writing been like therapeutic? Currently, right now, I'm super busy, so it hasn't. It's felt like an assignment. But when I first got the assignment and I started writing, like the words were just flowing and it was therapeutic. But then it was also kind of scary when I got to certain parts, like, I can't believe I'm writing this. I can't believe I have to read this out loud to her. Like stuff that I really don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy writing, but I think that doing something like that probably be really beneficial. Maybe I should do that. I think so. It's a good project or assignment. It doesn't have to be as major as I'm making mine to be. Like it's going to be a New York's, <laughs> New York's bestseller or something. <laughs> you could turn it into a book, I'm sure. Yeah, I have everything in it. But when I first was thinking about writing that, I was like, oh, I just want to have the good stuff in it. And then what, what changed? She said that you have to be like completely transparent and you can't like hold things out of it. And also like me trying to make my life into like some kind of not fantasy, but like fairy tale. Mm. It will take too much time. And it's like detracting from the point that I'm trying to make. Like it's just the story. Like it's not all fluffy or nice and everything. It has good parts, of course, but you know, every part has to show. So what's it like when you in your sessions, like, does she always give you something to do? Or do you guys just kind of like recap what you talked about? She ended off by asking, do I have any questions, concerns, comments? And then we do recap what we discussed. And then we talk about our next session. The only thing about the online sessions or the Skype therapy sessions that always get to me is that I'm always looking at the clock when it's like 10 minutes to the time 
And I find if I'm in the middle of a story, because sometimes I talk slower, I'm like trying to rush and speed it up. Or I'm like leaving certain things out because I feel like my thoughts won't be finished. I feel the same way. Uh, I'm always looking at the clock when it's like five minutes left. Mm -hmm. I feel like even if I have another thought, I kind of just shut myself down because I don't want (laughs) to get into it and have to like you know, get cut off. Yeah. And, but I wonder if I would feel the same if I was in someone's office. Um, well, you know, actually there was, once I did try uh, couples counseling and the therapist had a clock, but she turned it towards her. Mm-hmm. And I would always look at the clock like, I want to see what time it is. <laughs> I guess because I would rather cut myself off than have someone cut you off. Cut me off, yeah. Off because then I might be in my feelings. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But you also like if you look at therapy like from on TV. By the time you reach the one hour mark or even further, you see the therapist like your time is up. It's time to go. Like (laughs) so, you don't want that to happen in your session. So you're just like, I'll just nip myself. Have you ever tried, like, extend, like, have your conversations ever gone over the allotted 30 minutes? Um, no. Well, you know, actually, that's not true. A couple times we went over, um, very recently, my therapist said that her, she could see her other client was running a little late. Uh-huh. So we continued to talk, but I don't think it's really gone over for any other reason. Right. One time, um, when we, maybe had like our third session there was something weird with the lighting where mm-hmm. I couldn't see her and it was just kind of like a black blob <laughs> but that was actually one of the best sessions because I because I couldn't see her you so were able to talk it just was like easier to talk yeah and when I told when I actually told my girlfriend at the time this she was like you should tell her maybe she'll like turn the lights out or something <laughs> sorry I don't know how I get on that tangent. Um. No, but that's a good point. <laughs> when you are doing your sessions, do you look at the camera or do you like look down? I used to look at the camera and I felt like I was making good eye contact. But the last few sessions have been a little more difficult. So I've been looking down or I okay. find myself like fidgeting. I'm just like, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> um, yeah. I find it I so weird. <laughs> to make eye contact? I mean, but you're not making eye contact. Like, you're looking at the camera, and then when I look at the screen, she's looking down at the image of me on the screen. So it's like, <laughs> what am I looking <laughs> What am I looking at? And it's like, how do you practice good eye contact on a computer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a very good question. <laughs> And then when I feel like when I'm looking at the camera and I'm talking, I feel super fake. Like, you know, how like if you talk to somebody, you're like looking in the sky. I feel like that's the equivalent of that. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing? I think mostly I look down at my hands if I'm feeling nervous or I'll just look at the screen. Yeah, it's I, I like doing the Skype. Um, but yeah, things like that are are a little like funky. Yeah. I mean, the one good thing is that you don't have a formal etiquette. But then on the flip side of that, I wish we did have some kind of 
etiquette so we know how it's supposed to go. And I know there's like a lot of pamphlets online about what your therapy session will be like, but the Skype or video chatting is, brings a different element to it. Did you read any pamphlets on, or like information on what your first session would be like before you went? I read one, but it wasn't for this therapist. For, it was for another one. Like there was basically saying like, they'll hold a mirror up to you. They won't tell you what to do. They'll push you to bring out the answers from yourself. I had to reread it, but it was just like general stuff. It's okay to feel nervous. If you have any questions or you don't like something about the therapist, to pay attention to all those signs because it's important. And if it's like, if they're not a right match, to let them know they won't be offended, you'll find your perfect match. Do you feel like your therapist is a good match? Yeah, I do. Because I felt when I first went into it, I was super nervous. And at the end, I was super calm. And then she seemed like a friend, but not one that was just going to automatically side with me and like not push me to be my best self or... It was really good. What about you? Yeah, I think my therapist is a great match. I think um, it was important to me to have a black female therapist who at least had some experience with working with the LGBTQ community. Um, So I was really excited when I found her Mm -hmm. and she... It was really easy to, you know, to talk to from the beginning and she seemed to be, she, I don't know if intuitive is the right word, but I don't know. She just, she seems to like understand me already. And I feel like we haven't even been, you know, kind of working. We haven't been working together that long. Yeah. So it's a good match, I would say. That's good. Is there anything you wish your therapist did or... No, I mean, I, I can't say right now. I don't supposed to be doing. That's why it's been interesting talking to you and getting your experience and just, you know, learning how other therapists do it and things like that. Um, but I can't really think of anything. Mm-hmm. I think I, I've been able to get something out of our sessions. I, I still feel nervous going into each session, but uh, I usually can kind of let that go and become comfortable within the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. Same here. Mm-hmm. I guess wish the sessions are longer without costing more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that's one thing that could change. I love the convenience of it being online and I could be like in my bedroom, like completely comfortable. Just wish it would last longer. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening to the first episode of the Black Feelings Podcast. Ailea and I are just starting on our journey to figure things out and learn and grow. So we appreciate you listening and joining us. And just, you know, hit us up if you have any questions or interested in us talking about something specific or have any ideas for us. Sounds good.